Today's episode of The Glue Guys is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. With fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to glueguys.robinhood.com. That's glueguys.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Check us out on Twitch, twitch.com slash glue guys. TV. Nets, that's sorry. Sorry about that. Netsdaily.com. The Athletic. You can get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com, not TV, but .com slash glue guys. Brian. <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess, who, um, guess who's back, Brian? Mike, thank you for taking time. I know you've been on the horn with your stockbroker all morning <laughs> because the newly minted Dinwiddie bond has, has hit the market. Um, but yeah, thanks for taking the time to have me on the show. There's an absolute mad rush on Wall Street right now to secure your rights to every <clears throat> Dinwiddie bond you could possibly. I mean, you're the actually, you'd probably be the biggest investor in Dinwiddie bonds. I think you're the most bullish to People use a term have Wall Street accused me of knowing anything about this kind of stuff, and I'm offended by it because <laughs> I want to put it out loud and clear. I don't know anything about this stuff, but I would like it if somebody who did know about it could come on and, um, you know, inform us. It's pretty simple, Brian. It's oh, um, is it? now it's I don't actually know what it is, and I'm going to explain <laughs> it. But no. it's, it's it's basically like oh, don't even do it. Why are you putting yourself in this, this position? It. It's not that hard. It's it's basically like people instead of. Dinwiddie collecting his contract over a series of months and years. He is off letting people basically give him money now so that when he gets to his next contract, that he will then give them their money back plus interest. And he's getting an upfront payment now. Now, the thing is, he's going to have to get a better contract than he just got. Like, that's the whole point of this thing. And it's a bet on himself, literal bet on himself that his contract next time around will be higher than this time around. And he's valuing having immediate money right now, as opposed to having the slow drip of, of like $200,000 every two weeks, which is what he's going to probably get. Cause if you put happen. it in a, in a conservative mutual fund, collect that 8%. Um, yeah, I'm with that. No, I don't, I mean, if any part of that is wrong, Spencer, you know where to find us. Um, 
come correct us. But anyways, sure, we're burying I'm the sure lead. He will come correct. Us. We're burying the lead terribly here because Kyrie Irving came back and and torched the Atlanta Hawks. I forgot. Um, how amazing! I put this out on Twitter. And I was so happy to, because you and I have been, it's almost become an island. You know, we talk about there's like Dion Waiters Island. There's islands for various players from which people have mostly a negative opinion about them. And there's a very few select group of analysts who have a positive opinion about him. Mm. And this um, Kyrie is good at basketball. The land formation surrounding Kyrie Irving has increasingly become or decreasingly become an island. It's it's at an archipelago at this moment. I mean, there decreasingly is... Increasingly become an island. There, There's a land bridge. It's Alaska. Oh, there's a land bridge between Alaska Russia. and Russia. And, it's a nice age, is what you're saying. And you know Kyrie, I mean, he definitely supports a good land bridge, flat earth being everything. <laughs> but... Is that, does that fall under the purview of the... Anyways, okay. I, I think so, right? Or yeah. is that the opposite of flat earth? Would that I think, not... I think you... Anyways, I don't know. Okay. Who knows? But, so you and I have been out here on this archipelago, this Kyrie archipelago, um, defending him and saying, you know what? Actually, the Nets are better with Kyrie Irving. And mm. when he Hot take when he got out with his injury, the Nets played better. The Nets did play, in fact, play better. Though I would say it's unlikely that it was because Kyrie Irving was not playing basketball. And then we go along, we go along. We're like, holy crap! Maybe you know, should the Nets think about getting rid of Kyrie Irving? Spencer Dinwiddie, All Star. So we're we're living in this alternate universe where this is all happening. And then this team begins to lose games, lose lose them to such an ugly degree. They lose seven in a row. And Kyrie comes out and has a press conference that his shoulder, I don't know if it's ever going to get better. I may need surgery. I don't know what's happening right now. I'm, I have no clue what's happening. And everything is so dark and depressing. That was nary a week ago, Brian. <laughs> and now, and you and I continue to live on that archipelago. Yeah. Now, Lonely. Kyrie comes back. And he scores 21 points in 20 minutes, has the best shooting night of his career in such a small span of time, and looks amazing. Of course, they're playing the Hawks, who are horrible without Trey Young. But I I feel like we've come full circle on this. We, emotionally as Nets fan base, is that uh, people were sad he got hurt. Then they were like, oh, maybe they're better without him. And then it came back around to, oh, crap, we really do need Kyrie. or We may miss the playoffs. And now he's back looking phenomenal. The Nets have one of their few blowout wins of the season. And everyone is happy in the world. How, how do you think Kyrie looked, Brian? Do you want to know the actual source of all this? Yes. <clears throat> Where this all started turning around? Because um, what day was it when we found out that there was the, like, suddenly Kyrie was coming back? Was that, would you say that was Friday? Well, like, so we knew, well, Woj tweeted out on Saturday that Kyrie's Saturday. coming back for okay. the Atlanta Hawks game. But... Kyrie himself had said on Thursday, I think, yeah, it was Thursday because that's when we potted that, like, okay. I may, you know, I'm going to come back within a week. I may have, you know, a you game. You ready for this? Yeah. Here it is. On Wednesday, January 8th, I received in the at, or the netspot at gmail.com <laughs> inbox from Cherboy Tom, just signed off as Tom, Uh-oh. says, hey, glue guys, I just wanted to share something that happened to me that I thought was a great analogy for the net season so far for Christmas, I got some sweet Kyrie Irving socks. Of course, on Christmas, we were deep into shoulder gate already, <clears throat> but I felt that today after a recent seven game losing streak, this is before we had beat up on the heat <clears throat> was the perfect time to bust them out proudly. I made it through the workday, everything was going smoothly, and I got home and it was time to feed the cat. I put down some wet cat food, put some dishes away, 
turned back around, and my entire foot, Kyrie socks and all, ended up in the cat food. I'm not quite sure what it means, but it can't be good. Anyway, <laughs> that's all I have to say about the next recent play. Thank you for trying to keep me sane during this nonsense. Keep up the great work. Tom, have you ever seen, um, what's that Mel Gibson movie? Is it like What Women Want or something? You Absolutely, know, or he, I've seen it. Yeah. It's all in the theaters. <laughs> so when, when he like is dress it like doing cross dressing or something and like slips and falls in the tub and electrocutes himself and is able there's something like this going on with the Kyrie Irving sock. <laughs> the right? fact that you link that email to that movie, you well, have a disturbing mind, Brian. Why? <laughs> um, why is that disturbing? By the way, we should rewatch that movie because that just the title alone and the yeah. fact that Mel Gibson is the star of the movie What Women Want seems like there has to be about is. what do you think, twenty three things that are wrong with that picture? At, at, I mean, over under 23 things, I think. And I'm going, I'm taking the over on that. Um, by the way, I love that movie. It was fantastic yeah. when it came out. <laughs> All blemishes aside. Blemishes yeah, aside. Um, so, um, but anyways, so yeah, basically this, so Tom basically um, made this happen through some kind of metaphysical cat food alchemy. Well, if we're going to throw around conspiracy theories, you want to know why I think Kyrie decided to come back at this moment? So, if you watch The Crown, do you watch The Crown on Netflix? I, I, I don't, I've never even heard of The Crown. How's that for you? I just dropped my pen. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, we Is will talk about, about like real basketball <laughs> things, but I had you know I just want to get out this one bullshit theory, if that's okay. The, Great. I'm talking to our audience, not you, but. Anyways, so The Crown is like this award-winning, spectacular TV show on Netflix about the the British royal family. It's very real. It's dramatized, okay. obviously. God, do I, I'm so not caring already. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> but in it, you do see that the, the royal family leaks out certain bits of their personal information to cover up for bad times within the country. Like a prime minister will go to them and say, like, we're really struggling right now. And the, the queen... The queen will like kind of maybe go on this big sort of public tour to remind people of how great the United Kingdom is. What also happened in the world, there's a few things that have happened, so not negatively. In the world, since Kyrie decided he was going to come back, Meghan Markle and Harry decided that they were going to split off from the British royal family. I think Kyrie, as charitable as he is, uh, waited until he knew that moment would come out. And then he decided, I'm going to play basketball when I know Megan and Harry need me to play basketball to distract, to help distract the world from uh, their splitting off from a royal family. Do you agree with that theory, Brian? I I blacked out. I think what I what I took away from that is. <laughs> do you know Megan? Do you know anything? <laughs> I no. I I purposefully like don't know. As soon as I say anything I with like royals in it or you know, some any Harrys, Harrys across the board are out for me. Um, <laughs> All Harrys, all no Harolds, yeah. Every Harold in no, the world. No patience for. Um, I haven't met a good Harold. I haven't met a bad Harold. I just haven't met a Harold. But Brian. So, anyways, if the takeaway is that like Kyrie Irving was was waiting in the wings for just the perfect like yes. PR moment to be to the back. savior, um, he was helping the Royals, and we know that the Nets have a close I, relationship I, with the royal family. I don't. The royals I don't go to like Nets games, not Knicks games. We know. I don't that. like depending on conspiracy 
where just like coincidence and like you know lucky timing could, yeah, yeah. could really just as easily serve the same purpose okay so if you're all still with us i i do apologize because like no. we, I, I you know i'm a journalist i feel like some kind of duty to actually deliver what happened in the game but you oh. know whatever I, you assume I, I mean we have a very highly educated audience you assume that they've watched and know a little bit about what's going on that's yeah. what we assume so the one thing i wanted to see sort of like the big question surrounding Kyrie's return was one obviously how he's going to look but two was how is kenny atkinson going to balance reinsert him into the line. Now we had this whole like Kyrie should come off the bench uh mafia surrounding like oh Kyrie should come off the bench. It was, was really just my dad who's yeah. in there <laughs> and like the one uh, there's one yeah. also one human on Twitter that kept tweeting out about that. And so but like what was what was Kenny Atkinson gonna do? Well he decided to put Kyrie Irving in the starting lineup uh starting next to Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, and Jared Allen. Now what I wanted to see was how was Kenny Atkinson going to tip his hand as my pens are falling out of their pen holder, how was he going to tip his hand on how he's going to handle this delicate Kyrie Dinwiddie situation? I don't mean to make light of it because it's like Dinwiddie's sub all-star, if not all-star, and he deserves to continue to be leading this team to the level that he is. But Kyrie you, Irving's a better did player. Did you see Spencer's stat line last night, Mike? I don't. I hate to be a box score. Tell me box again. Score Andy. A lot of assists, right? Very um, last night he was like seven and four. Tiny. Yeah. So are you worried about that though? Are you worried well, that Spencer I mean, shrunk in the in the return of Kyrie Irving? I think I mean <clears throat> this is a, a years long debate and this 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 is um this has a legacy that dates back to the D'Angelo Russell era. Um Ugh. all of our players are sort of high usage ball handlers. Yes. Um with the exception of Jared Allen. And uh yeah, so like it's um and he doesn't really even like he's not part of that that um a a plus sort of tier love you Jarrett. you're not there yet but soon um so what to do what to do about that i liked i sort of liked watching them together um and i think i mean spencer was probably pretty happy to not have to put up like 35 and 14 last night um and because he's been looking a little gassed lately yeah um, for sure also so he's think, dealing with yeah. the dinwiddie bond situation which is taking up a lot of mental, mental bandwidth no doubt creating um, an entire new economic system not easy not yeah, I think process. I think it's going to really serve. Um, I'm, it's yeah. I mean, I think the Karras thing is him coming off the bench as sort of like leading the second unit, which is what he was doing at times last year when when they were um, quite good. Um, is maybe an interesting solution to that. Maybe it is you're you're starting Spencer at the two, um, but you are losing a lot of his a lot of what he does well, which is unfortunate, but that's maybe the sacrifice you make. I mean, I don't know. Is is one of those three guys, there's, you know, you have basically three combo point guard-ish guys. Right. Obviously, Karis Levert. The, the thing is, though, I feel like Karis Levert's playmaking is sort of the worst out of both of them, like, For out sure. of the three of them. Um, but he is most engaged and at his best when he has the ball in his hands and he's being just like a spark plug offensive player. So what... Kenning did just the last night, again, the first game that Kyrie came back, was the lineup that got the most minutes was the starting lineup. Not a shocker. They played 12 minutes together last night. Um, again, the starting lineup being Prince, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, uh, Kyrie, and Spencer Dinwiddie. So what I wanted to see was then how they split up the rest of the minutes. The bench unit, the bench unit being DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, Karis LeVert, Wilson Chandler, and Rodion Skaroots got the second most minutes. So very, and that's a very Kenny Atkinson style of basically like you have the starters and then you have the bench unit. And then we kind of get some mix and match here. And what Kenny did was he played Levert and Kyrie together in the third most minutes of lineups. 
and Dinwiddie and Garrett Temple together in the fourth most minutes. So, which is how we were at the beginning of the season, which is really like Levert and Kyrie playing together and Dinwiddie and Garrett Temple playing together. Um, But again, the most minutes of all the lineups were still Kyrie and Dinwiddie ultimately playing together on the floor at the same time. I think that is how the breakdown is going to continue to be until Levert fully gets back to where he was. Because, like, Karis Levert still hasn't had a game as good as Kyrie just had. Um, He's had some good games, but he isn't, like, peak Karis Levert yet. Um, He is still sort of like the guy who's the most difficult fit. Kyrie's going to be an ascendant star the minute you put him into the lineup. Dinwiddie is, like, instant offense. He's can fit on any team. Lavert has always been an awkward player because he's not a great shooter. He can handle the ball, but he's not a dynamic ball handler. He's a guy who needs to fit in his spots. Well, what I like about Lavert's shooting is that he makes hard shots, which is an interesting sort of weird but good problem to have. But you have to allow, like, you have to give him the space to take those hard shots, right? Yes, like, and and with that comes a little a lot of patience for missed shots. Um, one quick thing before I let you continue: please. Spencer had eight assists last night. It was four rebounds. I misread that, and I hate to to uh, have fake news for you. Sorry, go ahead. Fake news. But so, like, that's the thing where it's you know, I, Lavert. I am more tempted to leave him with the bench unit because. Dinwiddie is already, like, you talked about him being gassed, probably, like, right? Like, he's just been, he's been, like, the entire weight of the offense have been on his shoulders. And Kyrie, he's so good. I I really, I really never understood, like, let him be on the bench and, like, come off the bench and work his way back into the team. The only reason why you do that is for health reasons. And you could still do that by starting him. Like you could restrict his minutes by starting him that you don't have to bring him off the bench. It's actually easier to restrict his minutes by starting him because you know, at the very beginning of the game, he's going to be in, you can play him. We'll say by seven minute mark, you're going to be out of the game or something like that. It's easier to restrict minutes while a guy is starting. Um, I mean, the Nets played like, so what a game for Kyrie to come back because the Hawks yeah, we, without we really buried the lead, like but Kyrie looked, Kyrie looked amazing. Yeah. Everyone should just fast forward to this part. Kyrie looked really good. Um, <laughs> super, super decisive. Um, yeah, really, really just a quiet 21, the quietest 21 I've ever seen. I, I, I really so, honestly expected him to have like eight points and I looked up and I was like, Oh God, I guess he has been making every shot he took now the entire time. I will say, so if you go and like, <laughs> When you're on the ESPN app on your phone, you're looking at the box score. They can like you can. I mean, you can probably find this other places, but this is where I do it. I have my process here is you can find the shot shot chart for you know per the game. And if you do look at Kyrie's shot chart, um, it there are like I think he scored three buckets right around the rim, but it's a lot of mid range. It's really only I think he only took one three point shot and he made it. Uh, the entire game, but it's like a lot of mid-range just around the free throw line to the right of it. And, you know, that's a really good Kyrie spot. Kyrie is fantastic at getting off a beautiful jumper from that spot. I do think the best Kyrie, and I think everyone agrees, is like getting to the rim or shooting threes. It's the best basically any basketball player, not just Kyrie Irving. So I will be interested to track how willing he is to go down because he's always been a part of the reason why he gets hurt all the time is because he is always willing to go to the bucket and get fouled or go to the bucket and try to make a spectacular layup around a bunch of bodies. Like 
So we'll have to see, is he going to be that same guy or if his shoulder impingement will continue to impede his play around the hoop? Don't know, but he looked great. Looked fantastic. So what does it matter? It's so amazing to me how fast or just like how powerful we talk about this recency bias is. This is Kyrie's seventh game, I believe, in, in a Nets uniform playing a real game. Um, eighth game? I don't know. Probably eighth how many, game, right? Wait, how many is that? I don't know. I'll have to count them up. Not many games. Um, and he looked amazing. But, like, up until yeah. this point, this like, last, like, two months or whatever, um, we are operating as, like, this is the new paradigm. Like, the Nets don't have any good players. And we and some people are like, I don't know. It could be, like, a, a good, you know, redshirt season. Maybe we sit out some guys, get that draft pick, and... We are so locked into it in either seventh or eighth, probably seventh seed spot at this point, that it's laughable to consider anything else but like surprising what could be a not great two seed in like a Miami Heat or something uh, in in the playoffs um, with potentially Kevin Durant. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I don't want to get too much into that, but um, that. Uh, it's always important to keep the long view of the room in, in play at all times, Mike. You don't want to get lost in recency bias of seven-game losing streaks. It's 82-game season. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourselves. You're cheating yourselves. Don't you dare do it. And no. <clears throat> the part of the thing was about this. So what a difference a month makes, right? Like, so when Levert was out and Kyrie was out and everything was on Dinwiddie and there was, like, games where Garrett Temple wouldn't be playing, the Nets would be playing, like, pretty consistent lineups of Theo Pinson, John and Musa, TLC was out there for a lot of these minutes. It, Rodion's career, so you couldn't even find him because he he he, he was uh, inaccessible as a player at various times. We had to rely on Nick Claxton to give the Nets a boost. But <laughs> the 10 guys that were trotted out against the Hawks for the Nets is the starting lineup. Again, Kyrie Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, Jared Allen. The backups for this game Wilson Chandler back from suspension, right? Has been back, but now playing also. DeAndre Jordan, $10 million man. Uh, Garrett Temple, a very solid, another guy that was relied on heavily and now is in a more comfortable backup guard spot. Karis LeVert, someone that all Nets fans know and love. And Rorian Skarouts, who has had a emergence, re-emergence, Re- re-emergence. If, you, if you will. I feel like, I feel like you've ever seen um, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Mike? <laughs> Please. You know the part where that Please. king guy who has the like the, the, the already, already starting <laughs> out strong. The, the pale the pale like worm tongue guy who's like yeah. chatting to him and he's all crusty and pale and stuff and then yeah. suddenly like that guy. he rediscovers himself. That's sort of how I feel about Rodian's Kirk's <laughs> reemergence. It's that it's that stark. Um he's been so I, I did look this up. So basically it's been the past ten games that he has been reinserted reinserted back into the Nets lineup in some way. Not just starting, but like actually playing basketball games. So it's been 10 games basically since the last Atlanta game before Christmas. And the numbers aren't amazing, but what they are is it's seven points, two and a half rebounds, two assists, 55% from the field, 46% from three. I mean, he's only taking two, three point shots a game. So it's really just making one and missing another. But again, it's those numbers are drastically better what they what they were before this earlier in the season. Earlier season he was shooting like twenty percent from the field. He looked completely lost. We're getting back to the Karuks of last season, which is a guy who makes the cuts. This team is like the worst cutting team in the NBA, basically, besides Joe Harris. But Rodion's Karuks is the one guy on the team that will consistently cut to the rim when the defender isn't expecting it. He is providing just a little bit and enough of that backup four position 
that the Nets really do need. It also makes it so Wilson Chandler doesn't have to play four all the time in the backup units. It's, I mean, this is something also to continue to track because this is not set in stone, but he's an important figure on this team, a team that, you know, may get Kevin Durant back at some point. Um, Quick, also, edit, because no fake news, this is the 12th game of Kyrie Irving, 12, 12 games. Yeah. Obviously, shouldn't, I was just thinking, because he was four and seven, and then I kind of confused that for just seven. Seven, yeah. Back in the saddle, Mike, it's hard. We've been, <laughs> been, we've been on vacation. Um, so, we're going to do, by the way, I should tease, we're going to do some trade deadline, just warning system. This isn't the full-fledged dive-in, this is what the Nets should do. I just wanted to kind of give everyone an idea, because the Nets have been one of the teams that are talked about least in terms of trade deadline. I just wanted to give some content that way. But I wanted to point your way to a Rich Kleiman uh, quote recently. Mm -hmm. He was on Michael Kay's program. So it's interesting that Rich Kleiman is, is, I mean, Rich Kleiman, who, if you don't know, is Durant's agent, manager, seemingly best friend. They're tied to the hip. They, like, when Durant used to go on Bill Simmons' podcast, Rich Kleiman would be in the background yelling a whole bunch of things particularly of how he's going to run the Knicks someday, which I don't think is going to happen, but it may still happen. But anyway, so Rich Kleiman goes out on Michael Kay. Again, an interesting decision to kind of put the manager out there. This is after we get the news from Kenny Atkinson that Durant is progressing fantastically. But, this, but Michael Kay asked Rich Kleiman about whether Durant will be back. And this is what Rich said. He said, I don't know. I'm not planning on it. Honestly, this is one of those things as a fan, I would have thought the same thing that there was this calendar in front of us and we're all having these powwows. This is back to Durant. He's just attacking his rehab like he attacks everything else. I can see how intense he is about his recovery and his rehab, and I don't want to disturb that. It's truly day-to-day, day-to-day, all about day-to-day, blah, blah, blah. We're just working it through. Okay. So he says, I'm not planning on it. He Really, what he didn't provide is all that much information, right? But what we know is, again, he's attacking this thing day-to-day, and he's just doing you know he's just really going for it really well uh that is a little bit of information that, that he attacks his rehab just because it's like if he truly wasn't going to play until next season you know he could he could attack his rehab in a more delicate pattern right could be a little bit a little ease off the gas a little bit but everything we've been told is that kevin durant is like going straight ahead towards trying to get better every day from this injury I've also seen, Brian, more reporters who cover the Nets mentioning more and more about the possibility of Durant coming back. Just saying that this team, now with Kyrie back, and that KD may come back. Where before, early in the season, you were not seeing that. That didn't happen. All the reporters who covered this team were simply saying that KD will be back next season. Something's afoot, Brian. There's, oh, well. There's... A foot's, there's a foot of happening, I'm telling now you. Now that Kyrie's back, there has to be some conspiracy theory going on. May uh, as well be this. This is a good one. What do you... What, are, what's your th- worry level about Kyrie and this injury still? Are, are you in this place of like... Are you worried about his injury still popping up again? Or are you just happy to see him back on the basketball court and are willing to accept whatever situation Kyrie throws at us? This time going forward, like, are you waiting for a moment when Kyrie falls on his shoulder and then he's done for the year? Um, I am. So I worry more about Karis LeVert, honestly, than Kyrie Irving, Aww. just in general. Yeah, just because I feel like Karis always like falls awkwardly all the time and uh, is just sort of herky jerky in a way that other players can't account for, and they 
get into like weird collisions. Um, and so I just think like enough at a high enough rate of those types of drives, your, your odds for getting hurt kind of grow. But in general, no, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, um, I have tons of faith in the Nets training staff and so should you and everybody else. Okay. These are professionals. <laughs> we defer to professionals in, in these instances, Mike. Yes, we do this. We do. Um, as a matter of, except when speculating about Kevin Durant's uh, Achilles yeah. injury, um, as a matter of principle, we do this. So, um, no, I don't. I don't like have any. Do you, where you were watching it and like wincing the whole time last no, night? I do. I do worry just because of what he said a week ago about the shoulder impingement, and he didn't know if he needed surgery or not. He, I I do worry that, like, obviously the worst situation in the world. Like, if he falls on again, does that mean that that reaggravates this injury, and then we're back to square one with him, or does that not mean that? Like, I don't know. I don't think he probably couldn't even answer that fully. But he well, looked. Ho- hopefully, there's a professional out there who's answering that question for you and giving the green light that you saw last night. The the thing about it is that like so this is a right shoulder impingement and it's a shooting shoulder and Kyrie has talked about the fact that like you know this is <laughs> he's worked on that part of his body his whole life meaning like he's been trying to be a, the best shooter he can possibly be his entire life and he shot ten for eleven you know like if you're worried about like it does is Kyrie going to come back diminished. Is he going to come back not being as good of a shooter? Well, he, again, all of his shots were pretty much mid-range shots. He had a couple by the hoop, and he had one three-pointer. He looked pretty damn good. And again, I think this is just going to elevate the team completely. And they really need it because they play a home game against the Jazz. Then they play the 76ers on the road. Home game against the Bucks. 76ers at home. Nets at or Lakers at home. That This five-game stretch is against, you know, five of the well four of the best teams but they play one of them twice in the nba the sixers game is like i feel like brian we need to like pod directly after because oh i am i am quite interested to see how the nets do match up against the 76ers hopefully joel i mean you know hopefully joel Embiid has great health for the rest of his life but hopefully he's not playing in that one game <laughs> but just not for the next couple of months just just don't play the next <laughs> Two ga- next two games against the Nets. Yeah. Um, the obviously Ben. So like Ben Simmons has become this sort of defensive guard meme that everyone like loves to talk about how great he is on defense against other opposing guards. Um, but I do want to see the Nets out there on the floor. Kyrie playing at a certain level. Dinwiddie putting a lot of pressure on them. I you know it, th- this is going to be a, an incredibly uh, telling stretch coming up for how good the Nets may be with just Kyrie and not accounting for the Kevin Durant factor. Um, um, we'll, we'll have to do some kind of special potting of some kind coming up if you're okay with that. Love it. Count me in. Uh, do you want to hear my trade deadline thought- thoughts? <clears throat> um, I sure do. Give it to me. Okay. Oh, well, first, let's take a break. And then oh. coming back, we'll do trade deadline thoughts. Kinky. Conference Championship Week is here. Four teams, two games, so little time left in the season. Don't miss out. Get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, DraftKings has great promotions running every day. From odds boosts to free bets, they have it all this week only. Bet on any star player to score the first touchdown of the game with 10-to-1 odds. It doesn't get any better than that. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering up their best sign-up offer to date right now. You do not want to miss this. 
Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, that's code QUICK, and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, New Jersey only, bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times played through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so these are just, this is my like primer. This is the beginning of the trade deadline thoughts because again, the Nets probably won't be all that active and you don't really hear them in rumors, but I just think like if things happen, this Trade deadline. This is these are the type of things that maybe could happen. Okay, so you have to look for who the Nets could be trading and then who could be available. And I've categorized three types of trades that could happen so far: small, medium, and large. Brian, um, those are designation <laughs> of sizes. Okay, nice. So the small trade would basically be trading the young end of bench guys for a veteran power forward. Of not that much acclaim, but some guy that could help the team. So when I talk about the end of the bench young dudes, I'm talking about Karutz, Musa, and Claxton. Okay, and I, I th- kind of think Nick Claxton. It's like almost like you can't trade him yet. Because those those dudes are not of similar value. I don't think. No, I think Kar- they're not of yeah. no, no, they're not of similar yeah. value. But I think they do offer values for different. I mean, Musa doesn't really offer value for anyone. I don't think there's any market for Moose. I hate to say it. But I think Karutz, while playing, like Jared Dudley, we talked about this, Jared Dudley emphasized that, like, Rodion's needs to get back to a certain level so he becomes a trade asset for the Nets. <laughs> it's like, he's playing better, and I think it's reminding people in the NBA, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy last season was kind of the X factor for the Nets to go into the playoffs. So he is getting back to that point. I don't, again, I don't think he's going to bring you anything of real value. But if you paired him with... Nick Claxton, those are two young bigs that you could get something for. I don't think that's going to do that. Ready for this? Yes. Um, conspiracy theory? Kirks knew that, played his value into the gutter for the first couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> and then now is pretty much you can't get – you'd be selling very low on him. Um, and he won't be traded for that reason. Um, what do you think? I, he wants to stay in Brooklyn. <laughs> well I, I think Mike, there's other things happening. lock it in. I don't care. I don't think there are other it's, things happening. It's my theory – and we're going with it. So, sorry, get the 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 type of trades I'm talking about. Here, there's two two veterans that could be out there that could be had, and they would kind of fit onto the Nets team. Markeith Morris, not, not the Morris twin with the Knicks, but the Morris twin with the the Pistons. He's making three point two million dollars this year. He has a three point four player option for next year. He's averaging eleven four and two. He's a guy that we kind of now understand that the Pistons are sellers. You know. Drummond's out there to be had. Derrick Rose may be out there to be had. Even Luke Kennard could be out there. I said Luke Kennard. How could you ever trade Luke Kennard? So Markeith Morris is a guy that you could see being out there. I mean, I don't even think it would take all that much. It could just be Musa and Karutz. I wouldn't want to give up Nick Claxton for Markeith Morris. But the thinking behind getting a guy like Markeith Morris is it makes your bench lineups much stronger, particularly against bigger teams like the 76ers. Um, it makes it so Wilson Chandler doesn't have to play power forward all the time. You could even play Morris with like half starter units, depending on who it is, again, to bulk up a little bit. Because Torian Prince, as much as we love him, really isn't a four, but he's just playing the four on this team. So like you kind of want that kind of player or Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is on the 
the Grizzlies, and he's not as big as Markeith Morris, though, but he can play the four a little bit more reliably than Torian Prince, and he offers, like, you know, defensive versatility and all the good stuff that you can be had. Do you like him also because he's a hashtag enforcer out there? I, I, is that is that something you feel like is missing from the chemistry of this team? I've always felt like one of the Morris twins would fit in very well with a Brooklyn team. Um, and plus the, the crosstown rivalry is just going to be on fire <laughs> from that. Well, and that's also the thing where like the Knicks have like four guys, the nets could use just like, but that's um, not happening. The, the nets and Knicks are not making a trade of any kind, uh, particularly now that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are on the nets and Kevin Durant has decided to make fun of Knicks fans fairly regularly. I always think that's so weird though. Like really there's a whole team that you can't do any kind of business with just by virtue of them being like, I mean, kind of token rivals, let's be honest. I mean, there's not real basketball animosity there. It's just like, you know, whatever butthurt, like Gen Xers on Twitter. Um, that's not like a, that's <laughs> not a real rivalry, right? Or maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe it is. I don't know. Well, I think it's a James Dolan thing, right? It's like goes up to the so owner. So you think James Dolan is what's keeping them from trading yes. as Taj Gibson? Yes, absolutely. Bobby Portis? I don't think it has anything to. I don't think it has anything to do with. Um, it's not like anything to do with, with like the, Steve Mills and Sean Marks hate each other to such a degree that they would never dare talk to each other on the phone. It's not like a, a Montague and Capu, Capulet situation. Yeah, is yeah. that Shakespeare? Um, but <laughs> James Dolan does hate the Nets. Does do, like uh, you think we, so? We know that we we from the Prokhorov days to posting up that billboard with Jay Z. To now, again, he's bitter and angry about, regardless of what the Knicks say about how they didn't want Kevin Durant. Remember that report once Kevin Durant signed with the Nets that the Knicks uh, didn't want to meet with Kevin Durant until they got a physical from Durant? Like, we wouldn't meet with you until we got a, we got to see your, your medical information. We wouldn't do that. That's the type of organization we are. I mean, the Knicks, I'm just telling you, James Dolan wouldn't want his team to, to make a trade with the Nets wouldn't happen. Mm. Um, so that's that's my small trade. The Musa Karutz for like Markeith Morris or Musa Karutz and maybe you need a second round pick for Jay Crowder. Because I think Jay Crowder is probably valued higher than Markeith Morris, but I may be wrong. Medium trade. No one's going to like these next two trades, by the way. And I'm oh, not a- I'm not advocating for them. I'm just saying these are the things that could happen. <laughs> I'm trying to provide everyone. You've got a podcast and you're providing some content. That's Okay. Medium trade. Okay. Joe Harris. Oh, oh. We, we've talked about, I know. Oh I know. my God. What are you doing? We've talked Well, because DeAndre Jordan really is your medium trade, but he's untradeable. Like mm-hmm. Sean Marks is going to trade. For political reasons. Yeah. Political reasons. Um, he's like, you're not going to like raise soybean prices. If you're going to run for the democratic presidential nomination. Does that make any sense? Probably not. Nailed it. Um, Nailed it. Joe Harris. The, so why you would make a Joe Harris trade? This is really what the column is because Joe Harris is a free agent. And he's going to get paid a lot of money, and you may you may want to kind of control your cost to some degree. So you would make a trade, you make a Joe Harris trade if what you're getting back is uh, a wing shooter who is cost controlled in some way. Now the problem is there's not like all that many guys that is all that appealing on teams that are obvious sellers. The one guy that is out there to be had apparently is Bogdan Bogdanovich. The the thing about him is he's also a free agent, but he's a restricted free agent. So you have more control over the situation. Obviously, restricted free agents make less money than unrestricted free agents. Um, 
Bogdan Bogdanovich is younger. He actually provides maybe a little bit more individual offensive creativity, though he's obviously not as good of a shooter as Joe Harris. I think it's a terrible fit, Mike. I'm going to be incredibly honest with I you. I know. I know. We need system guys, you know? I know. And Bogdan is another sort of... It's actually a pretty good comp to Karis LeVert with the videos. It's a lot Ooh, of similar I like things. That. But, but um, Bogdan is a better shooter, but not as, obviously, as athletic. Right. Or sort of... Well, I didn't say they're the same person, Mike. I mean, similar. 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 Um, they're trying to do similar things. But anyways, yeah, I want more, like, one-dimensional, but really good <laughs> at that one dimension. Although, you know, Joe Harris is, is as we've discussed, and at great lengths on this show, more than just a three-point shooter. Um, I would like it if we just surrounded us with more super, super good three point shooting. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, that's why I am totally in the camp of giving Joe Harris, whatever amount of money that he wants. If you can do it, I don't really know the cap machinations that need to happen, but like give Joe Harris his money. Cause he's going to be worth that amount of money. As long as it's not like, I don't know, $18 million. I wouldn't, I don't know the number yet. I haven't tabulated how much I would pay Joe Harris, but <laughs> He's Joe Harris is literally the perfect player to put alongside Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah. He's a smart, tough three point shooter who will also do a few other things for you offensively. Uh, seemingly has his like is focused on the correct things to win basketball games. Yeah, I mean he sucks at getting smaller guys, but is weirdly good at guarding bigger guys. You know, there's a lot you can do with Joe Harris. But the medium trade, again, to target, if you're going to trade Joe Harris and you're worried about cost in some way, is to flip Joe Harris to a team to get a more cost-controlled shooter wing. It's it's a tough trade, but that that's kind of where you're going to be. I don't advocate for trading Joe Harris for, like, the Lakers' first. I don't know if they have a first-round pick to even give up at this point, but, like, something like that. Like, I don't uh, concur with that assessment. Nice. We talk a lot about physical fitness on the glue guys, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash glue, you'll get 40% off a Calm Premium membership. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% off discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash glue. Unlock content to help you focus, ease, stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash glue. That's calm.com slash glue. All right, the big, the large trade, Brian. Oh boy. The large trade. This is going to be good. I can already tell. People Nobody are gonna wants be anything so mad to do with this. because they're not going to they're just going to be mad. I'm not advocating for it, but this is the type of deal that may have to happen. If you're <laughs> doing a deal at this trade deadline, these are these are the type of deals that would have gun, to happen. Gun to your head, you got to make a deal. Okay? You got to make a deal at this trade deadline. Cuz I will I will explain later what Spencer Dinwiddie some combination. Oh lord. Oh, Spencer lord. Dinwiddie uh, for Robert Covington. Oh wow. Wow. <laughs> You've done it. You've stepped directly on the landmine. Enjoy. Um we all know Spencer Dinwiddie's better play than Robert Covington, but if you're going to do a trade this season at this trade deadline, Robert Covington is kind of the perfect guy that the Nets need. And if you're living in this world where you're making a trade, the only reason why you really make any of these trades to be to be honest TBH is if you know Kevin Durant is coming back. Because if you know Kevin Durant is coming back, then you think, 
we need to make a trade to boost our chances this season because this season we have a real opportunity with the Celtics pretty good, but at times still figuring themselves out. The Bucks extremely good, but I think they're vulnerable. Me, Mike Smith. Oh, they're, I think they're vulnerable. What's their vulnerability? Go on. Um, they're they're uh, Greek-centric, and if you can, in a seven-game series, figure out a way to limit that monster of Giannis, that you can... That team becomes way so. I was just at the Ravens um, Titans <laughs> playoff f- football game, and oh, who won the match? <laughs> Titans. <laughs> Titans yeah. pulled off an amazing upset, and it it was because Lamar Jackson. They, they, the Titans figured out how to contain Lamar Jackson. It's the same thing with the Houston Rockets when the Houston Rockets are in the playoffs. James Harden becomes a little bit more manageable on a seven game series basis than he does on a random night. <laughs> in January or February. So I think the Bucks. Anyways, uh, we can Interesting. Do- but so wait, what's okay, go on though. What's the, how do you do it? Cuz everyone knows that you've cheat left on on Harden. So That's, that the cat's way out of the bag on that. Well, I am not going to dive into how Oh, like, you don't want to say it because in case they no, hear you the just, plan you, for you it. You do advance. the normal defensive things for a guy who's like the entirety of an offense you can focus in better. But that's off track. So you put you, Theo you Pinsman make, on him. You make yeah, you ahead. make these trades you only make these type of trades if you think Kevin Durant's going to come back. Because the real thing to do, if you don't know Kevin Durant's going to come back, or even if you don't, if he is going to come back, but you can really wait. This offseason is when you're going to be able to trade Karis LeVert. You could trade Jared Allen. You could trade Spencer. Dim- you could trade anyone else you want on your roster, really. Uh, you're going to have that first-round pick to play with. I think the Sixers' first-round pick or whatever, whoever has that pick right now. So, like, you're going to have a lot more ammo to kind of do something. Where right now you have less. Um, and also you don't know what kind of team you have going into the playoffs. But if you're going to make a trade, Robert Covington is kind of the guy that you would want on your roster. He defense first, 35% from three, solid, doesn't need the ball, 13 points per game, six rebounds, defense, defense, defense. Um, he makes your team bigger. He makes your team better at guarding wings. Um, it also kind of solves the lineup issues that you have with the ones that we talked about before with Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. What are you going to do? You become much more versatile. And again, if you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and you have Jared Allen out there, you put Joe Harris out there and then Robert Covington becomes your small ball four with Durant at the five. He becomes your bench wing. And he also becomes the guy who is more likely to be playing in crunch time over Torian Prince because he can guard, you know, whatever wings you're going to match up against in the NBA playoffs. He isn't as good as Spencer Dinwiddie, but no. he has the and exact same contract pretty much. He He's, he's going to get traded for Kuzma. It's already just locking in already. That would be a horrible. I mean, you have been Kuzma's never been good. Kuzma's always been overrated. Um, he, like, he isn't a winning basketball player. I'll go that. Like, he just is like, he's just a points. He's Jordan Clarkson, but taller. You know what I mean? Mm. He's just like, he's just going to put up points, but ultimately it feels empty and it feels, uh, like he's completely like a man unto himself. He isn't a part of a team effort. Um, He does have those sleepy eyes that all self-centered people have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just kidding. But, Shout out to Kuzma. Just kidding, Kuzma. But again, I don't think those are the type of deals that could happen. And the Dinwiddie for Robert Covington, like, Nets fans are going to be super duper mad and be like, the Nets probably need something else in that trade. Like, maybe you make it a pick swap situation, too, where it's like, 
the the Nets the Nets get Covington and then they would get the Timberwolves pick and the the you know Timberwolves get Spencer Dinwiddie and then the the Nets pick that will be later in the first round via the Sixers or however that trade went like that that makes sense to me like that makes more sense mm-hmm. to me but again mm-hmm. I don't think anything th- these things are going to happen the only thing that may happen is the small <laughs> trade category which is like a couple of young end bench guys think- for a veteran power forward. If you don't think Sean Marks is getting a second round pick by February 6th, (laughs) you're, you don't know anything about Nets basketball. Okay. Something is happening. Um, do you think the Nets need to make a trade? Um, no, I mean, need, need, no, but in the same sense that like Sean Marks's wizardry is by virtue of eking out tiny victories over the course of long periods of time. I wonder like if he'll still have that instinct despite all these, you know, all of his recent success with massive superstar free agents, if he'll still continue his eking out tiny victories here and there kind of ways. I would love it if he did. Yeah, I think more for him, it, like, again, it's waiting to the offseason, waiting to see which big players are out there because you can add a third star, which the Nets will very easily be able to do by putting together a few contracts. And the few contracts, when I say that, I mean, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jared Allen, you put those three together, that's a pretty decent foundation for a team that you're trading to get whoever that that third star is. Like it sounds like we got a bet brewing here. Okay, what's it for? I, my bet is we make some some trade of some kind by the deadline. Okay, take that action. I'll go. I'll go against it. I say the Nets do not make any trades at the deadline. Nothing. Not any transaction of any kind. Sean Marks doesn't buy a, a cup of coffee by February sixth. The only reason why they would make a significant trade, and by significant, I really do mean like. Joe Harris on up. So like Dinwiddie or That's, Jared Those Allen. are super significant. Those trip. are significant. Is if they know Kevin Durant's coming back and they're like, we need this one piece to to go alongside the Kevin Durant piece, the Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, or whoever else is on the roster. But yeah, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about Justin Anderson gets, gets flipped or whatever it is. Oh. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Justin Anderson. You haven't, you haven't enjoyed your Justin Anderson minutes? No, I just don't need, I don't need him in my life. I felt oh, the wow. same way about Spencer Dinwiddie, so I'm probably wrong. But I don't need Justin Anderson in my life. I want – I've told you about this. I want like a 5'9 guard who scores like crazy. You want Jalen Hands. We've talked about this. I don't want Jalen Hands. But I haven't seen Jalen Hands. I can't speak for Jalen Hands. I haven't been Name another 5'9 guard that's that's a scoring first. Gary uh, Payton the second? I don't know. Is, <laughs> no. he, is he back out in the market again? Um, but that that is Wait, my How tall is more. Gary Payton the second? I didn't it's think It's like he six was. foot. Doesn't have to be in a five nine. He could be taller than five nine. But I'm talking about like a short scoring guard. He's six three, dude. I don't think so. <laughs> I've seen him. Fake news. I've fake seen him news galore on this episode. Get us out of this fake news podcast nightmare. Um, thank you all for listening. We're gonna have more pods. We're gonna bring on some guests coming up pretty soon. Um, the Nets are gonna be very interesting. We're gonna be cataloging this five game stretch of. Jazz, Sixers, Bucks, Sixers, Lakers coming up. Uh, we're going to learn a lot. Keep your eyes and ears out online for any updates about Kevin Durant as they become available. I will say, as the Nets continue to play these more high-profile games, they're going to get more media attention, and the more media attention means the more people are going to be digging into this Kevin Durant situation. Brian. Michael. The Nets are back. Thanks, everybody. Good night. That was nice. Long. Nice. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs>